What is up, guys? Welcome to episode number 142 of Beef's Beef. And just like always, or I can't say always, but just like the last couple of weeks, I got another great interview for you. Uh, but before I inter introduce my interview, uh, I want to talk about my sponsors. Old Faithful, just like I said last week, Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage. Hit Crystal up for any of your mortgage needs, your home loan needs, your refinancing needs, anything like that. Hit her up at 502-615-0743. Again, that's Crystal Lackey at Stockton Mortgage. Stockton Mortgage is an equal housing lender, MLS number 8259, MLS number 1735979. And I'm so happy that I have such good friends that have decided to sponsor me because I have two more just like I did last week, the same two guys from last week. It doesn't mean I'm going to talk about them any less. Second one, Supply Lab Media, my friend Treshawn Durham at Supply Lab Media. Uh, you can inquire for Supply Lab on via DM on IG or email, supplylabmedia at gmail.com, or go to supplylabtv.com. Supply Lab is your spot for photography, videography, uh, portraits, weddings, freelance, and really everything you want to put on him with photography. I guarantee you he's up for the challenge. So go ahead and, and hit him up for any of that. They also do interviews as far as like, uh, think of it almost like a, a virtual resume almost. You talk about yourself and you pump yourself up. I have one of those. Uh, I shared it last year. Had a blast doing it, and I felt like he did a great job doing it. So, again, Treshawn Durham, Supply Lab Media, supplylabmedia at gmail.com, or DM on Instagram, or go to their website, supplylabtv.com. And lastly, my friend Isaac Thomas at Delium Clothing. That's B-D-E-L-L-I-O-M, pronounced Delium. Delium is a men's and women's minimalistic brand that focuses on modern aesthetic and quality. Everything comes pre-shrunk, so you don't have to worry about anything coming out. Being real small when it comes out of the dryer, it's already going to be pre-shrunk, so it's ready to wear. Also. Look, be looking out for their clothing in Him Gentleman's Boutique in New Albany. Uh, should be in there either this week or the week after. So be looking out for that. You can find Delium Clothing on Facebook at Delium Clothing. That's B-D-E-L-L-I-O-M. Delium Clothing on Facebook and at Delium Clothing on IG. Again, for the last time, it is B-D-E-L-L-I-O-M, Delium Clothing. Hit them up. My friend Isaac Thomas does a great job with the stuff that he does. Now, to introduce my interview today, I'm excited. There's a lot of people that, uh, that are big fans of this guy, including myself. Uh, this is just like uh, a guy that's become one of my good friends, Larry O'Bannon. This is a guy that a lot of UK fans will say this is their favorite Louisville player uh, as far as basketball goes. So I'm pretty excited to – um, introduce somebody that is a part of my childhood. I actually got to meet as a child. Um, I, it's crazy to think about doing the, the old intros when you're playing basketball by yourself and talking about, you know, from, from certain places, Neptune, New Jersey. But the guy I'm about to introduce to you is the all-time leader in three-point shots made for the University of Louisville. Um, was at the University of Louisville from 2002 to 2006, was a 2005 Conference USA Tournament MVP, 
was a part of the 2005, which is a very beloved uh, Louisville basketball team, 2005 Final Four team, uh, was a big part of it. Uh, has played in places like Italy, Russia, Spain, and, I mean, other countless number of places that we'll talk about in this interview. But, guys, without further ado, I want to introduce to you guys Taqua Panero, also known as Taekwon Dean. Hey, Taekwon, how's it going, man? How you doing? Pretty good, man. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, I know you're a busy man, so anytime you could take out and, and join me for my podcast, man, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. So – Let's get right to it. So you were born in Red Bank, New Jersey. You went to yeah. uh, to uh, Neptune High School. What, but what was it about Louisville that intrigued you? Because if I heard it right, you you committed without even taking a visit yet. Yeah, I did. I did. So so the thing is, is uh, I've known about Louisville from the uh, Milt Wagner, Billy Thompson, you know uh, Nate Johnson. So it was always that that Jersey Louisville connect. But the main thing was Patino. And um, I want to say the night before, the night before, yeah, the night before I committed, I was actually, Syracuse was at my practice. And I was going to commit to them. And I got a letter that night from uh, Louisville. Not like a, a general, like they was giving me an offer. It was just a common letter. So when I woke up in the morning, I told my guardian at the time, I was like, listen, while I'm at school, call this number on the letter. Because that morning on ESPN, Patino just got fired from the Celtics. And they said he got hired by Louisville. So I just wanted the, the uh, Patino connection. Yeah. So got back from school. My guardian said, listen, I got in touch with someone from the office. And they said, you know, Patino will call you tonight. So that night, I get, I get home from practice. Bayheim is on the phone, calls me on the phone, we're talking. And he, he's throwing an offer at me. And I get a, a, a click on the other line, it's Patino. <laughs> I literally dropped the phone, like, you know, he's like, hey, it's Rick Patino, drop the phone. I pick up the phone, I'm like, listen, coach, you ain't got to say nothing. Where do, I, where do I sign? He was like, you didn't even let me get it out yet. How you even know I want you? I said, you calling, so it got to be a reason. So... He, uh, I told him, I said, listen, I signed now. He said, you don't want to come take a visit? I don't need to see the campus. So we did that from there like that. Well, so you, you mentioned Syracuse. What other schools were, uh, were recruiting you? Oh, I had um, Tennessee, UConn, uh, St. John's, Seton Hall, all the, all the Big East, you know, the, the Big East schools, uh, Clemson, it was a lot, man. I'm gonna be honest with you, because I, I went from top 50 to top 30, and once I broke that that 30 mark, it was like everybody, you know, right? That, that's crazy to hear, man. That someone uh, of your caliber just getting a phone call from someone like Rick Pitino, you're like, yeah, just where do I sign? So the thing was, man, man, Mello, we was cool because we came up in a lot of camps together. So that was that was interesting to do that, but. I couldn't play zone. Like, zone wasn't my thing. I'm in your face type defender. So I looked at that as lazy. So I wasn't <laughs> going to be able to do that. So, you, I mean, I would have got a national championship, but. Yeah, hindsight being 2020, right, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you, 
you mentioned Syracuse. Was there another school that you almost committed to, or is it just Syracuse that you almost committed to? Nah, you know what it was? It was it was the assistant coach, which was uh, uh, Brian Hopkins. I, I had no interest in Syracuse, but he was going so hard that, you know, he's coming at three practices a week, you know, driving down from Syracuse to, to Jersey. So it was just one of them things where I, I said, you know, everybody wants to play Nike, Syracuse, you know, the Dome. So it was interesting, but... No, it, it was just I, – I, I committed early during a recruitment uh, season anyway, so I wouldn't know. I couldn't even imagine you with that Syracuse team, dude. You and McNamara and Keem Work uh, and Melo. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was sick, man. Yeah. Uh, so, what – if you can remember back – not to call you old, not to call you old or anything, but if you can remember back, what was your, what was your favorite visit outside of UofL? Because I'm sure at some point you did end up visiting UofL even after you committed I didn't it. Visit, I didn't visit anybody. You never, you never visit anybody? No. Once, I, once Patino said he was interested, I was done. So you didn't visit anybody before that either? No. Wow. That's that's something I didn't know. No. So I got a question for you. So you're you get to the campus, you you're you know, you do the preseason stuff. Do you remember the first team you guys played your freshman year? Freshman year. So, you know, before I got on campus early. Mm-hmm. You know, I got on during summer school. And when I got there is when I met Reese Gaines. So, you know, coming to the gym, Reese is in there. And this is, you know, all American Reese. Yeah. And I saw him do his first, like I, I was a gym rat, regardless. But I saw him do a 45 minute workout. And I, I went back to my dorm, like, oh shit, I'm, I'm in a different level. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is crazy. So, you know, we had, we had a pickup the next day for the first time. And I couldn't get the ball. I couldn't get the ball past the foul line on Reese. So, so Patino, Patino's up top looking at the, at the, uh, the workout or whatever. So before he can even finish, he calls me up. He's like, "Listen, uh, Ty, come up real quick." So I come up there, and he's like, "I don't think you cut out for this." And I'm like, "What?" He's like, "I think I'm at to take a scholarship because we got uh, Prelude Davis. I don't know if you remember him." I do. The JUCO transfer broke his eyesight. Right. Yeah. He was like, we got a JUCO All-American and, you know, we need a spot to fill and it don't look like you're ready for this. So I said, coach, listen, first off, I couldn't go back home. There was no home to go back to. Yeah. So I was like, listen, let's, let's do a one-month contract. I said, give me one month. And I said, I promise you I'll start every game. So I leave there. He shook hands. I leave there. I go down to the uh, strength, strength coach. I was like, listen, we got to do three of these. And he looks at me like, what? I'm like, listen, Patino's going to send me home. Like, I got I to gotta gain some weight. So we did that for a month straight. And the rest is history. So you you told him, I'll do a one-month contract. Or is it So it was just one month. It wasn't like a month-to-month thing. It was just, all right, if I don't make it after this first month, you can send me home and I'm not going to say anything. All right. So Patino always threatened people with, he got the he got the uh, plane ticket in his office, like in my desk. So I got a plane ticket to send you home. <laughs> so that was his thing, right? So oh well, yeah. So he he said that, and I'm like nah, like so you know Cisco was oh yeah was his guy. You know what I mean? It was his guy. So I went back to the dorm like Cisco. He trying to send me home. So he's like, all right, we got to start waking up five o'clock, and getting in that gym. So I got a question then because I I didn't put this on there, but I got to ask you this. So. 
did you guys just meet on campus, you and Cisco, or were you all friends before you all came? Nah, we had met that summer at the ABCD camp. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, but the thing was, was I mean, I known Cisco from, you know, he's from New York, I'm from Jersey, but mm -hmm. he, it seemed to me like he played high school for 10 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it was like, yo, when you leaving? So when we met at ABCD, we actually, you know, met there, but yeah, we wasn't, wasn't close like that. So do you, do you remember the first game you all played? Your freshman year? I do not. Air Force. Played Air Force at Freedom Hall. You all busted them. Beat them 65 to 47. I just want – I wanted to see if that if that was nah, – because nah. it sounds like the first practice stuck out more than what – or the first workout right. stuck out more than what the first game did. So – Now, you know, we did something – we did uh, – I don't know what it was. I think it was – you know, the introduction before the season, we did it in the Expos, Expo Center in downtown. Yeah. That, that – I remember that vividly, but everything else – yeah, so that's the only year at this. I don't know if you know this. That's the only year he did a Midnight Madness when he was at Louisville. Oh, for real? Yeah, that's the only year he did it his first year, and he he hated Midnight Madness. That was a, right. a well known thing with with Coach Patino is that he hated he hated Midnight Madness. He didn't mind red white scrimmages, but he hated Midnight Madness for some reason. Which every yeah. fan loves it. Like me, I love Midnight Madness. Yeah, but no one seems to do it anymore because the. They just do it in the middle of the day. But he did red-white scrimmages. Uh, I think it might have been even starting back with you. He started doing red-white scrimmages. Yeah, yeah, we did that there. Yeah, so he did the red-white scrimmage during the Midnight Madness, which I love the Midnight Madness thing that he did. But that was the only year he did the Midnight Madness. Right. Um, so the next game you all play uh, at what was Conseco Fieldhouse then. It's now Banker's Life. And you all played Purdue and lost by two points. Right. And it, it was weird, man. I just remember this as a, as a teenager. You all would lose a game in the beginning of the season and then feel like you all would lose again for two months. You, you know why? You know why? Because that ride back, either you was chasing the bus <laughs> back to the hotel or that next practice was hell. So it's like either we're going to do this or, you know, win. So so you guys, or you guys lost to Purdue and mm -hmm. you won 17 straight games. Right. During that 17 straight games – you all beat Kentucky. You all didn't just beat them. You all beat the brakes off of them. So right. being from New Jersey, did did you already have a grasp on what the rivalry was like, or did you did, feel, did you feel it whenever you played in it? I think that first game was it in was it in Louisville? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was in Freedom right. Hall. It was in Freedom Hall. You know what? That the first year I felt it, but you know it was it was I mean it was home so. It was cool. I didn't feel it until we went to Rock. Yeah. And that was the first time I felt the ground shake. Like, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it ground shaking, you know, it wasn't for you. Listen, it was this. I ain't never been scared before a game before, but that one, I was like, it was CBS. You know what I mean? It was, it was big. And then that was the first time Patino was back. I think it was the first. I'm not sure. Yeah, that was the first time he had been back since he left UK. Right. So, and he was – he was basically like, yo, if y'all don't win this game for me, <laughs> it's going to be hell for the rest of the year. So yeah. it, was, it was a lot of pressure. So that, so playing in that first game at home, I mean, you said you could, you didn't really feel the heat of the rivalry, but I do want to ask this. So have you been back and seen the Yum Center? Watched the game in the Yum Center? You know what? I, I came back for the uh, – we had a 15-year anniversary, I think, in February. We went for the UNC game. That's right. I did – yeah. So what, do you wish – 
if you could if you could do that, do you wish you could play in the Yum Center now? Are you a little jealous? Nah, not, nah, not at all. You love Freedom, Freedom Hall? Hall? Freedom Hall was old. It was it was the vibe of Freedom Hall. Like, yeah, the, the Yum Center is cool, but it's that old feeling, you know, like that. You can't you can't replace that. The thing I kind of get with it, like I love the Yum Center, um, right. but I can get where you're coming from. It feels more like a professional game. Yeah, yeah, it's not like a college game. No. Freedom Hall, like you're in the game, like exactly. It just it's just packed in there. You can smell the old popcorn. Right. Uh, you don't smell the popcorn at the Yum Center anymore. You got that dark background behind a basket, so you know, it, nah, I wouldn't trade it. So, you guys play some tough teams in the Conference USA. A lot of team, a lot of people back in the day used to crap on the Conference USA, and now right. looking back at it. You all played some monster teams in there. I mean, you all played a, a D-Wade-led Marquette, right. uh, which I remember the thriller you guys had in Marquette where, where Reese kind of willed everybody to the win. What was that? That atmosphere honestly seemed crazier than any atmosphere that you all played in that year. Now, you know what? Because that was when D-Wade was married to his first wife, right? Mm-hmm. So Reese, Reese and D-Wade had some rivalry from high school. So when we're in warm-ups, his wife is is mid-court with a sign, and she's in Reese's face. Like, listen, man, he's an All-American. And the thing was, was Reese didn't have to guard D-Wade. It was my assignment. So I'm sitting there like, yo, Reese, listen, like, calm down. Like, you're going to make this worse on me. <laughs> yeah. So the thing was, was I don't know if you remember that game, D-Wade, like, I knew he always – spin you know what i mean go right spin so i sat on it and his elbow hit my chin and, and it cut the bottom yeah. of my chin yeah so to wear that patch like, on the bottom no i had to bite my jersey we, we was wearing the black uniforms at the time oh man you're bringing back so i had to bite, right i had to bite yeah. the jersey because i was leaking yeah all down my chest and patino was like listen you're not coming out this game so <laughs> only thing i could think of was biting my jersey so yeah. i was playing like 10 minutes you know, me with my jersey in my mouth. <laughs> so it's just you blood all over your chest and yeah, just all, all leaking over. out of your chin. That's great. Yeah. Um, you guys won the conference tournament, and uh, the first round you all, and then you all won the first round, and then you all played in a, a 12 seeded Butler team who had upset Mississippi State already. And yeah. this game, man, I remember this game vividly because I felt like they didn't miss a shot. Yeah. I, it felt like they just – everything, that they throw it up backwards and it was going in. It just – like, what what do you remember from your first experience in the, in the tournament? And it's your first loss, I guess you say, in the tournament. Was, what, what was his name? Uh, Archie? Was that the guy's last yeah, name that I, played for Butler? I don't know who – yeah, I can't – I, I didn't remember his last name, but he was tearing our ass up. Yeah. But the, the thing was, was Patino was killing us so much in the beginning of the year that we had no legs at the end. So I remember going into the tournament, we were, we were dead. So would you say and that that was more because of his conditioning was too much for you or it was, it was just something you weren't used to at that age? No, it was too much. Like, he was, it was overkill. It was yep. over, You got to understand, we were pressing at 6 in the morning. <laughs> you can't, we're doing ladders and then we're pressing, then we're in the treadmill, then he got us on the track. And you can't put your hands on your knees. If you put your hands on your knees, he's hitting it with a paddle. Like, it's, it was serious. Well, what's crazy now, I don't know if you've seen the study. You know they say that that's actually better airflow for you to put your hands on your knees now. 
when we get off this when we get off this podcast i'll send you the article it has been a proven fact right. you know i did see that I did if see you that. put your hands on your knees you get better airflow than if you put your hands on your head right. it's funny because all all right. you hear when you're coming up as a coach from your coaches is don't put your hands on your knees you don't get as much airflow so if you put your hand on your head it's actually been proven yeah, he, he, he would have he would have his stick and as soon as you put it on he's tapping so your sophomore year started off with the loss to another Big Ten opponent in Iowa at Conseco again. So, at Conseco, right? Yeah, Conseco was just not your all's best place to play at. And the Big Ten apparently wasn't the best, best conference to play against. Right. And once again, you reeled off a huge win streak. So the, the story to that is going into our sophomore year, me and Cisco, Patino always say, be careful the sophomore jinx while we were freshmen. Yeah. And he would always say it. And I'm like, yo, coach, why are you always saying that to us? And he would say, as a freshman, you're not on film. So nobody knows who you are. You can do what you want. He was like, now nah, they got a whole year of film. So coming into your sophomore year, whatever weakness you got, they're going to expose it. Yeah. So as soon as we played that game, how much did we – I think we lost pretty bad. Yeah, you all lost, I think, by 12, I believe it was. Right. right. It, it was a it was decent amount. It was a as soon as we got back to Louisville, he called both of us in the office. And he was like, listen, I didn't come here to lose. Y'all two are my main recruits from the East Coast. Like, if not, y'all better do this time. Y'all better do this now. Y'all gonna have to transfer. You know, more threats. Man, so thinking so, back on that stuff, do you huh? I mean you think that was just mind games or you think he was actually serious? I think it was both. <laughs> real with you. I think it was both. <laughs> But so we leave and I'm like, yo, Cisco, we gotta go to uh we gotta go to Walmart. And he like, for what? So we gotta go buy some sleeping bags. And he's looking at me like you're crazy. I'm like, listen, we gotta sleep in the gym. So I don't know if you remember the uh the sack or whatever, but mm-hmm. in in our uh and like our uh, movie, I mean we watched the film, there was like a little section where you can it was a couch and it was a little eating area. And so I, we bought pillows, got the sleeping bags. We were, I, I promise you, we're practicing in the morning. Then we'll, we'll go to study hall. And after that, we'll order pizza and we will sleep in the gym. Like we'll shoot a thousand shots on the gun. We'll play one-on-one. We'll dribble, we'll do dribble. And then we'll go to sleep and wake up in the morning, put the sleeping bags in the locker. Because Patino gets there at like 6.15. So it was like, all right, we got to get up at 6.00. Make sure, and we did this for maybe two weeks straight. So one day we we overslept because we were dead tired. Patino comes in, <laughs> trips over us. What the hell are y'all doing in here? And it was like, yo, either you was gonna send us home, or you know we was going. And that's when we went on that win streak because everybody started to see that, or oh, they're in here putting in that extra work. So everybody like kind of lashed on. That's so crazy to hear, man. Because I mean, you guys are unpaid athletes. And you right. are sleeping in the gym. And right. so, I mean, did he get mad even whenever you told him that you all were sleeping there? Or he's, he, was pissed when, he was pissed when he saw it. But I think it was more like, I can't believe they really, like, took this to heart. Yeah. And so I think that's where the respect came from, where he, he saw that, okay, they, I don't have to make them do this. They really want to do this. So, so, yeah. would, was it, would you say it was weird, or I guess it, it, you really knew what it came from? You just said what it came from. Was it weird two years in a row, you guys losing to a Big Ten team and then going on a long win streak? Right. You know what? It was because, again, our legs wasn't – we weren't adjusted to 
you know, early in the season because our legs and, and we were trying to figure things out. But we knew Patino's philosophy was always that we were going to be in better shape than everybody. So those first games, well, I guess they were fill-out games. We didn't really take them to heart. But, yeah, we knew by the end of the year we will be ready. So I remember you guys beat a, a really good – they were actually number one, the number one Florida team, team with right. Matt Walsh and David Lee and yeah. as well as the, the number Robinson. team. Yeah the, yeah, the number two Kentucky team within a two-week span. Right. What, would you, what would you say was the more memorable win out of that? I think I already know what your answer is going to be because of the story you just said. Would you say the win in Rupp was going to be more memorable because of all the circumstances that were behind it? Uh, that was it because, you know, the, now at this point, we know what the rivalry is. We know, okay, we can't come back from Lexington with this, with this L. It's yeah. not going to be a good week. It's not, you know, it's just going to be bad. So when we got that one, it was like, oh, yeah, we, we wanted something. Yeah, I'm, I can't even imagine some of the things that were being said to you all with Patino coming back his first year. This is already going to be bad stuff being said to you all anyway, but now you right. have Rick Patino on your side and you're playing at Rupp Arena. I can't even imagine, right. like, was there some stuff that, like, obviously Man, we don't want to repeat it on here. We don't... Wife. They were saying things about his wife. And it was to the point where we took that personal, where it was like, okay, now we got to protect him. Yeah. So it was like, you know, but it was, it was bad. I mean, I, I could see his face, like it, it affected him. It affected yeah. him a lot. So what would you say happened your sophomore year that led to you guys though? Cause you all started, you all started off with that big win streak. What would you say led to you guys losing nine of your last 13 games? Cause you guys had four guys that averaged double digits, including yourself. What would you right. say that season was like, you know, what kind of fellow, what made the wheels fall off? Our legs. We got tired. Like, see, so we, I didn't catch on until after we went on, went on that, that losing streak because it was like, what's going on? Like, everything seemed – like, what was the difference between the, the beginning of the year to now? And I could see that players were mentally – like, they were just fatigued. Yeah. You know, Patino was drilling you every day, and it's like, okay. And at that time, this is when you don't understand about nutrition and those – we were just doing it off of pure gut. We didn't have the proper nutrition. The, the, the style that he wanted to play, impossible. Now these players, these college players, they get the proper nutrition. And, well, us. Meal we, plans we, and stuff. Right, yeah, it we, sounds we, like y'all were living on Papa John's and Wendy's. <laughs> we, man, and, and Taco Bell. and Come on, how are you going to do that? And so, you know, at the end of that year, I realized coming into the summer, I was like, Coach, listen, we got to – change things up because we keep following the same like we'll play good in the beginning and then we'll, we'll crash apart. at the end so we started swimming our junior year we started he he actually let up because we were we started a program called the 6 a.m program where me and cisco would get everybody in the gym at 6 a.m we would lift and we became competitive so patino did that's beyond patino he was like yeah. hold on who the hell so he saw that we wanted it so he just let up on us. He was like, okay, we'll do this, and then we'll go swim. So our junior year, we were, you know, that's the final four year. But Yeah. So when, when did you know going into your junior year that you guys were going to be a special team? I mean, because you all were loaded. You think back to it now. You had you, uh, Cisco, Jenkins, uh, O'Bannon, right. Ellis Miles. I mean, the list goes on and on. But when did, when did you know that you guys were going to be special? When we started to do the 6 a.m. And that, that was the, the pivotal because everybody – you know, usually you get guys, three guys that come in the gym early, 
Then you got somebody that really doesn't want to work out or everybody was, was like glued to the 6 a.m. program and we were pushing each other to the point where either we're going to fight and then we make up, but everybody was so competitive that we realized that nobody had to push us no more. Well, so, I mean, it showed because you had guys like Otis George who hadn't really been contributing, uh, and it showed how close you guys were as a team yeah. when you had guys like him that would just show up out of nowhere and he would have a big game. And the thing was, it was like me and Cisco had our own pack where we, yeah, we're in the gym early. And I realized, like, we're, we're excluding the rest of the team. Like, yes, we can have this work ethic, but what about the last guy on the bench? Like, we got to kind of bring everybody in to this, you know, this lifestyle, because it is a lifestyle. Yeah. And once everybody bought in, it was like, whew. So I remember watching – actually, I remember doing it every year. It's around Thanksgiving time, the Maui Invitational. Right. You got you to give me some – some insight on it. What is it like to get to one, get to travel to Hawaii and not yeah. only that, but you get to play basketball to, at the same time while you're on vacation. Man, for us, it was like, shit, we don't have to run suicides, <laughs> you know, do the crazy. <laughs> that was, that was like a, a real vacation, but it was, you know, it was a great bonding experience, but at the same time we had a mission that year. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, Rashad McCants that played for UNC. UNC, yeah. And Cisco had this rivalry dating back to their uh, prep school days. So Cisco, once he knew that that um, Rashad and them were, were there, it went from, okay, this is a vacation to where this is war. Like, we got to play them. So we all came together and was like, hey, we, we're going to try to win this thing. But it was, it was, it was, it was, it was the best experience I had. Yeah. So I got to bring this up because this – this, to me, is still one of the most heartbreaking losses ever that I've watched as a Louisville fan because it was my right. 16th birthday. The U.K. game. Oh, really? The U.K. game in 2000, uh, 2004. In Louisville? In, in Louisville. Louisville. So, <laughs> every year we have a Christmas party, and it usually happens right. around my birthday because we try to do it the weekend before Christmas. So, this is my 16th birthday, man. I'm hyped. I'm like, all right, we're, we're, we're loaded. We're going to beat U.K., I got to ask you two questions, all right? Because I asked Larry this same question, and I'm sure you're going to say the same thing. First question, did Patrick Sparks travel? He did travel. I, I think so, no, too. No, no, no question about it. He, he Second thing, do you think it was a foul even if he didn't travel? I'm not going to answer that because it was our fault. First, nobody knows. Listen, nobody knows. Me and Cisco, I don't know if you see it. They showed it. But we – we was like, this is, we got this in a bag. Me and Cisco were dancing. It was a timeout. We were dancing together. Me and him oh, no. were celebrating. And Patino, you know, called us to the side. What the fuck are you doing? It's not over. And we're sitting there like, Coach, chill. It's, we got it. So now at this moment, Cisco is not focused. Yeah. So if you look at the out-of-bounds play, Cisco was like, I got it. But – he really wasn't paying attention. So Patrick was not supposed to even get the ball. Yeah. He's but he got it. He already may not get the ball. Right. But we were so busy dancing before this that <laughs> – and so you got to – nobody knows. It's like we were – Patino wanted to kill – man, Cisco, he – listen. He's like, oh, you two motherfuckers are no. dancing before this yeah. and boom. Yep. So – I, it's crazy to think back now how, like I said, I mentioned it already, how good the Conference USA was. Right. 
And, I mean, in that year, you guys played in one of the biggest, as far as Louisville fan memory goes, one of the biggest conference championship memories ever because right. you have the Darius Washington free throw shots. Right. Right. I, I want you to give kind of give like a uh, your perspective because I remember – because Cisco fouls him right there. Right. Kind of give your perspective because you guys take the lead and then he comes down. Kind of give it from, from your point of view on, on what, what you were feeling. All right. So, I mean, the, the, before that whole game, like, he talks – he don't stop talking. Like, yeah. he's like yeah. – and I think I was just coming back from some type of injury. I don't know what it was. I think it was mono. The, it was something. But – so I wasn't at – I was in full, full strength. Yeah. So I know. I'm like, I got to guard him. And I'm not at full strength, and he knew it. So the whole game, we're go, you know, going back and forth. So at that moment, he's talking now, and it's, I don't know if you can see it, but when he's going to the line, I said, "This is where real men are made." You said, and so, <laughs> "Oh yeah, like, oh he's man." Talking the whole, he's talking the whole game, and then I see him looking at his father on the side, and I look at Cisco. Oh, he's gonna miss him because he's at the line and he's looking at his father. He's not even looking at the at the basket. And so the first one he missed, I'm like, oh, yeah, God. I, I remember after he missed the first one, he looks at Kyle Perry and says, I got this. Right. He says, I and got I this. Said, if you can see me, I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> so, That's so great. The second one, it was like, yeah, I couldn't believe it. But, it, yeah, it was, it was one of the best moments. So I get, I'm going to guess you're going to say no. Did you feel bad for the dude at all? No. What? No, I mean, I, I'm not saying, like, did you want them to win? I'm saying, did you feel bad no, for him at all? <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> Good, because no. I didn't feel bad for him either. And, and nah, that, not at all. Nah, I didn't feel bad for no, him either. Because it, it's a difference between talking and then it's a difference between what he was doing. So, you know, where I'm from, it's like, you, okay, we're going to go go back in the locker room and, you know, handle this. But, no, nah, I don't feel bad for him at all. So after dominating the regular season and winning the tourney, and you all were given a four seed, and is that something you guys kind of talked about? How you all felt disrespected with how well you all had played all season, and then you all because right. I remember again, I feel like I'm a pretty knowledgeable fan when it comes to like knowing what it comes to when it comes to our schedule and all that stuff. And I felt like right. we just got absolutely jobbed when we got a four seed. Right. We at first we were, but then we looked at the road to get there. And we always, we always had that underdog mentality anyway. Mm -hmm. But at this point, we knew we were in the best shape of our lives. So we know yeah. whoever we was going to get, they were, we were going to kill them uh, physically. So we didn't really care after. I mean, initial shock, yeah, but after that, no. What's crazy is your all's first-round matchup, you all struggled a lot of that game against Lafayette. Right. But and because they played the same style. It was the yeah. same style. Athletic, they, they pressed like us. But once we got through that, and Patino said, he said, this is going to be the hardest game, you know. So it's, we already focused on it. Once we got through them, it was like, oh, okay, we got Georgia Tech. We got – we didn't care. That's crazy for me to think about because you – I was just about to ask you about your second-round matchup with Georgia Tech. That team's loaded. You got Nate right. Robinson. You got Brandon Roy. Uh, their big guy, what was uh, – Walsh? Right. Was that his – like they were so loaded, man. Yeah, you talking about? I think we played Georgia Tech before. No, I'm we got sorry, to. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You played Georgia Tech first, and they were still loaded. Mm -hmm. They had Jarrett Jack, they had right. uh, Muhammad, Will Bynum. and Will Bynum. Bynum. Yeah, yeah, they were uh, that, and Anthony Morrow. Right, and I think BJ Elder. Yeah, so they they were they were loaded too. 
Because that Georgia Tech team, isn't that the team the year before played against UConn in the championship yeah. and pretty much yeah. had everyone back? That's, yeah. that's amazing to me. That just shows you how intelligent of a coach he really was to know that, hey, this game is going to be the most difficult game we have. See, the thing is, he, he, knew, he knew the tournament better than anybody. So he knew our style. Nobody could prepare for us because we were pressing, then we were coming back into a zone press, a matchup. So we were switching. But we knew we always had the opponents that didn't play in our conference or balance because they were going to be more scared of the press. Mm-hmm. And then we had, what, three shooters that was at 40%. So yeah. you got to pick your poison. So going into the tournament, like Lafayette was the hardest because they played just like us mm-hmm. and they were athletic. But after that, it was like. So that second round matchup, like we, like we mentioned, you all had Georgia Tech. And they actually right. – they end up with five guys that played in the NBA. What was it you remember the most about that game? I think it was the last last couple minutes where we kind of, like, turned it on. Mm-hmm. But, no, matter of fact, I think Villanova played before us. And, you know, I, a bunch of Villanova players I play AAU with. So, mm-hmm. they had one, and it kind of made me, made me nervous. Because I'm like, oh, we got Georgia Tech. And, but – we came out. We came out hot. We came out hot. Yeah. So the next game, we we meant like I mentioned, they had Nate Robinson, Brandon Roy. Can you remember what the game plan was going into that game? Like who did who did you guard in that game? Ah, uh, that's funny. So uh, the night before, I don't know. ESPN had this. Um, I forget what it was called, but they had Washington on the, on the, on the TV, and they were like joking, like. Louisville, we're going to run through them. And, you know, everybody know Nate. Nate talks. Oh, yeah. Right. So we get to the we get to the arena, and, you know, we're coming out the bus, but I got my headphones on. And I turn, I turn around, and when I turn around, Nate literally elbows me in the chest. So we're about to fight outside of the arena. So Ellis, you know, Ellis comes in the middle. Ellis comes in the middle, like, yo, listen, chill, like, let's – Let's just get in. So we get in. And at this point, I'm like, I, I told Coach P, listen, the game plan was to have, I forget, somebody else guarding. Right, Jenkins guarding Nate Robinson, right. right? I said, nah, nah. I said, listen, that's me. And Coach is like, you should. I said, listen, I promise you. So we're in warm-ups. Nobody, I don't think nobody knows this. So we're in warm-ups. So Ellis is timing. You know, when you come around, Nate and him to meet at half court. So he's like, yo, wait. So Ellis comes and they meet at half court. Ellis punches him in the chest. And there was a little scuffle. Yeah, it was a little scuffle. So jump ball comes. Nate looks at Ellis and was like, listen, I'm going to dunk on you. So I'm right away. Like, you got to guard me first. So he gets two fouls early. I don't know if nobody knows. I got him two fouls early. And I told Coach P, listen, it's over. And uh, I think I got, I think I sprained my ankle in like the second, second half, but. That was with Brandon Roy. That was tough. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie. Brandon, Brandon that, guy, that guy didn't hurt his knee, man. That yeah, guy was he, a superstar. He was a superstar for sure. So that win moved you guys to. The, I mean, that year was just full of memorable things because you had the Darius Washington <laughs> shots, the infamous Patrick Sparks travel, and then you had the West Virginia comeback. All right. Like now, nineteen <laughs> in the first half. And I remember it was around Easter time, and I met my girlfriends, and they're all UK fans. So, like, 
they're kind of like jabbing at me and stuff. And I was like, look, I told my girlfriend, I was like, look, I'm leaving. I'm not going to sit here with them and watch this. Like, I'm going to go watch this by myself because, like, I'm getting in my feelings. Like, I don't play that stuff. I don't say nothing to you all. Y'all stop this. So, you all were down 19 points, and you all trailed 13 at the half. Like, what what play do you kind of feel like turned the tide? Or was it somebody stepping up and saying, hey, like, you know, like, let's turn this around? We we went – I think we went in at halftime down 19, right? No, y'all went in halftime down 13. Y'all were – trailing 32 to 13 in the first half right so when we went when we went in the uh, locker room Patino had no answers like he would he was stuck so so Ellis had got up and you know Ellis you know how Ellis is so I basically what everybody together said listen this is what we was waking up six in the morning for yeah like for this moment right here like nobody's in the best shape but you gotta understand at that time we were playing in New Mexico with the altitude was ridiculous. So my whole well, let, body. Let's actually, stop it real quick. I want to ask you about that part first because I remember back in the right. 80s, I wasn't alive back at this point, but there was a game where Louisville lost in a game that they should have won where they yeah. blamed the altitude. Was it really – is it really that – does that affect you that bad? I don't know if you saw on the, on the sideline, my whole body got cramped up. Like I couldn't, I couldn't move. They had to give me some type of – I don't know what the drink was. Mm-hmm. But everybody was gassed. Like we couldn't, we couldn't even press. Like uh, we couldn't get in our, our, reg- our regular rhythm. Mm-hmm. But going to the second half, we just came out like, listen, Patino, whatever you saying, we not listening to it. We going to do it because he wanted to stay back in the zone. And we like, no, we gotta get up. So I think Larry, we hit a few threes, and after that, it was over. As I, so you guys tied it up on on that lay, on that layup by Larry, and you all just. Just absolutely boat raced them in overtime, sixteen to eight. Right. Were you all in disbelief after that win as much as I was as a fan, or was it just like, "Nah, this is what was supposed to happen"? Yeah, when we, you know, when they say hard work meets, you know, I mean, preparation or whatever, uh, we knew, we knew we put in the work for it. You know, it wasn't like it was, it came out of nowhere. But at the same time, we realized, I ain't gonna lie, after that game, that was like the national championship for us. We were dead after that. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were done, but uh, that just showed uh, the work we put in, honestly. So, like I mentioned earlier, man, I actually got to meet you guys uh, at the sack the week in between the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Uh, and actually, right. I got to find it, but I'm pretty sure I still have it. I got you guys to all sign a, a school newspaper whenever I was there. Oh, really? So I, yeah, I had, like, the entire 2005 Final Four team on a, on a school newspaper. It was the picture of Cisco cutting the nets down. Got so, you. Uh, what was it like that week preparing for that loaded Illinois team? Because that – I mean, that team with Luther Head, D. Brown. Uh, yeah. I can't think of their big man's name. But, I mean, they, that team oh, was one of the best oh, teams. Right. Yes. I th- All right. So, nobody – I mean, when we, we – we were ready. We we yep. knew, okay, we match up well. It, was a, it wasn't like it was a – they were over us or anything. But at this point is where politics started to, to get in. So it was around where Cisco was was planning on going into the draft. So Patino, so Patino was more focused on him getting, you know, what I mean, the best position in the draft, than really focusing on what we need to do, you know, because um, he, you know, when we got to St. Louis, it was different. Like, you know, every other place, it was 
business. When we got to to St. Louis, it was agents. It was it was it was crazy. It was it was too much going on. Yeah. And so, so the, you know, there was that they were just around talking to you all. Listen, it was it was like you got Nike reps, you got Adidas reps, you got. It was so much going on that we couldn't focus literally on the game. Yeah. So Cisco mind, he was gone. He was like, you know, he's thinking about what agent he's gonna sign with. So not to put it on, it's just like we were we weren't focused that game. So what what was the toughest part about I guess you would say facing the Illinois team? What would you say it was all the the off court distractions or would you even cause I mean I think back to it now and you're right, you all did match up really well with that team because you had yourself and Brandon Jenkins, who were dog defenders. Right. And I don't know how they really could have guarded Cisco and Larry on the wing. And Ellis was a beast on the board. So, I mean, there was just – and then you got – and a person I haven't even mentioned is, is Tejo. That dude was a monster, too. Right. I mean, you just – yeah, there was a lot of stuff that went now, in. You got that, that environment. I think it was, what, 70,000 people in there? Yeah. So, when you about to jump ball, it's like we really – at the final four. <laughs> yeah. So I think we were more for the first 15 minutes, more starstruck. Cause you got to think what uh, behind us is you got Daryl Griffin, you got all the alumni, you know, from the past, then you got UNC alumni. You see everything. So yeah. I think yeah. we were more starstruck than anything. So I asked Larry this whenever I interviewed him and you can give me your honest answer if you don't, so that year, you all missed out on one of the best players in the entire country who had committed and then ended up going to the NBA. Do you think that if Sebastian Telfair would have come, that you all would have been even more in contention with the national title? No, nah, listen, see, Patino messed that up. I wanted, and Cisco wanted, Rajon. All right, I want you to give me any insight you can on this because right. the stories that I've always heard is that we were Rajon's to lose. And Patino put all of his eggs in the Sebastian Telfair basket and lost Rajon. And we told we so Rajon was working out with us in the summers. And so he's in the gym as a high school kid dominate. And I'm like, listen, that gives me to get off the ball. Cisco Larry, like we got him just get, giving us the ball and defending. It's over. So we go we go to the office of Patino, like, listen, you gotta sign him. Not Sebastian. And he was like, his thing was, Rajon was kind of kind of a, a knucklehead in, in high school. He was like, listen, I, they say he's uncoachable. I'm like, is Sebastian more coachable? I mean, at this point, I'm like, so I guess it was a New York thing that he wanted, but yeah. we wanted, me and Cisco wanted Rajon instead of uh, Sebastian. So Rajon told you all he would have come there if, if Patino would have? He was, he, Listen, he was calm. Like, he – that's what he wanted. That makes me sick, man. That <laughs> makes me so sick. You sick. Yeah. We would have had probably two national championships. Man, because, I mean, you think Jenkins – I mean, I'm talking about Jenkins being a great defender. I mean, right. Rondo's one of the dog. greatest on-ball defenders I've seen in college basketball ever. Like, that just guy was about, just a – handcuff. Just think about that. Him, him, Cisco, me, Larry. On, 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 come on, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> That's, yeah. So, your, your senior year, you decided to come back, man, and you spent much of the season battling a nagging ankle injury. Right. 
do you do you regret coming back? I mean, now at now at thirty seven, no. Yeah, but for a long time, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I could have I could have went in the draft that year. Yeah, I mean, I was I was yeah. for sure would have went. You know, first round, late. You know, I mean, early second. I was a lot for that, but I mean, now in hindsight, I got my degree. Mm-hmm. I got my degree, and you know, I'm able to do whatever I want with. It. I could coach. I could be an agent. I could do many, and that's what Patino, when he, when I was preparing for the draft with Cisco in Jersey, and we was about to sign with an agent, and he called me the day I was about to sign. And explain. He was like, "Listen, just because he's always honest with me. He's like, listen, you're only six three. You're not the most athletic. And at that time, it was the big guards. Yeah, it wasn't more. It was it wasn't shooting. So he was like, listen, you'll probably do three to five years, and then what? You're not gonna have your degree. You can't come back. So he was like, come back. You know, you're in the Big East. You can up your stock even more, and you get your degree. So." Me being realistic was like, yeah, you know, so I came, I came back, yeah. But you think you'd make the same decision now? Honestly, if the if the league was where it is now, oh, I'm, I'm staying. I'm, you're, I'm you're gone. Saying, yeah, I was about to say no, you I'm had, saying, you got to be gone. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah, you would, you would torch in a league now. Right. Three exactly. and D guy in a league now? Oh my god, right. dude! I'm I mean, gone. you, so. yeah. You might have been gone. You and Cisco might have been gone after your sophomore year. Right. To be honest with you, especially with the way Mitchell's playing now. Like exactly. I I mean, you guys would. I'm not saying that you guys are are better or worse than Donovan Mitchell, but you all would thrive in this game now. Man, listen, 15 years too late. But, uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, you know, and then you know, I didn't understand the freshman that he had coming in. Yeah. So. I'm an East Coast what? guy. He bought, Terrence he Williams. All West, he bought all West Coast guys in, and I didn't. I didn't understand that. Not the, you know, not any of those guys. But I'm an East Coast guy, so I'm thinking like he's gonna bring in some dogs to replace. You gotta think. I look up, and everybody that I, you know, went to war with those years are gone. Yeah. So, it's it's what is Tejo's uh, BJ. But other than that, it was. <laughs> you know so yeah I'm, that was actually so i grew up and i you know my family didn't have a lot of money so i didn't get to go to a lot of games right that year i know you didn't enjoy being in the nit but i enjoyed the fact that you were in the nit because i got to actually go to games and as a huge fan i hate to tell you this but like i never got to watch you all play in person like i had to watch every right. game on tv so i actually got to go i actually got to see your last game in freedom hall and which game was that um, you all played Missouri State. No, in the NIT. Remember, you all played three uh, home games in the NIT. You all played, like, uh, Missouri State, Clemson, and somebody else. Then you all played South Carolina. Notre Dame, right? No, Notre Dame Notre was, in the, was the game that you broke the record at home, which was the last home regular season game. Ah, uh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, that was, uh, that was where you broke the record for most threes in the season. Really? I'm pretty sure that know. was the game that you did it. Got you. Okay, um, yeah. I thought that was an IT, but yeah, okay. Yeah, so I know you're not going to like that I say that, but because you're, cause you're a competitor, but man, like, as a person that grew up with not a lot and was, I was able to go, like, right. 
it was great to be able to appreciate your game in person before you left because that was really right. – I think that's the only time I got to see you play in person. Really? Yeah. It was, was the, during the – I got, went to all three home NIT games. Well, that, and, that's funny you said that because I was not – they had to beg me. They can't – the whole team had to come to my dorm room to beg me to play in the NIT. I was done. You yeah. can't go from the Final Four to NIT. I'm like, nah. But Patino was like, at this point, I, I had the high angle sprain, so I didn't play much of the year. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, listen, well, you get you get to play these last games to show the scouts who you are. You know what I mean? And I'm like, if they don't know who I am in four in four years, then I need to just stop. But <laughs> yeah, I need to just retire now. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, nah, I, I have fun in NIT. I, I'm not gonna lie. Except that that South Carolina game. Yeah, that was the uh, was his name. The guy got drafted by the uh, Knicks. Renato, Renato Ball. Ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he dunked all over us the whole game, man. <laughs> Farley, what? man. Yeah, he did dunk all over Farley the whole game, <laughs> man. So after even after that, and you know that injury plague season, do you still feel like you should have been drafted? One hundred percent. What I, I averaged was seventeen. I think it was like 17, 19. And, you know, it was the Big East at the time, and it was I was the only senior. But so going into going into the draft, you know, I worked out with Cleveland maybe five times. Mm-hmm. And I worked out with Cleveland the night before the draft. So it was me, me, Shannon Brown, and two other guards. I can't remember. But uh, so they put us through a shooting a – shooting, uh, clinic that they I guess they did with every draft draft year or whatever and the record was I think somebody made 70 shots 70 out of 100 I made 98 out of 100 and the last one I played around with you understand so <laughs> so would do that and I'm like oh yeah my, you know Mike Brown is in there I'm like oh yeah he's you know everybody's going crazy in the gym then they're like listen we got one more drill and I'm like fuck <laughs> so it's a full court, right? It's a full court, yeah. and you got to finish. Granted, I'm not the most athletic, but Shannon Brown, yeah, athletic freak, freak, right? Yeah. So he he goes full court and he windmills from the foul line, and it was just like the whole gym <laughs> stopped, and I'm like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> they call us into the office. You know, Mike Brown puts us through a scenario where. You know, if, if if you guard Chauncey Billups in the finals, what would you do? You know, if you you know he's low post, so you give your answer, and then Mike Brown says, you know, uh, at the end he's like, listen, if we if we got you at seventeen, we're gonna take you, but then we got the thirty something pick, and if you're there, we'll take you. So I'm like, okay, cool. You know, leave there, go to New York, and you know, draft comes, and all you see on the on the screen is next best up is me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm for sure gone. And, you know, it never happened, but. So he told you they were going to take you on the first round at 17. And then if you right. were still there at 33, he was definitely going to take you. And he didn't take you with either uh, one. Nah. But, you know, they took Shannon Brown. So you, I'm, telling, I'm telling you how the workout went the night before. Yeah. Wow. So you end up signing with an Italian league team, right? And, and you right. end up leaving halfway through the season. What? What was uh, what made you make that decision to leave halfway through the year? I was I was, I was fed up with the politics of because I had went with uh, San Antonio for uh, summer league, mm-hmm. 
and they had flew me in. They had flew me in like two weeks before camp even started. What's the uh, the coach of the Sixers now? Um, Brett Brown. Brett Brown, yeah. Brett Brown met me at the airport because he was a Patino understudy. So he's like, listen, man, it's a perfect time for you to, you know, come in here. I'll teach you, you know, the system and everything. And I killed the whole, that whole camp. And Popovich comes in and he was overseas recruiting. Calls me in the office and was like, listen, we heard what you were doing, but we just signed Jacques Vaughn for the vet minimum. If I would have been here and saw, you know, I would have, but he was like, listen, you could come to vet camp and try to make your way. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. Like, uh, so the Italian team called, offered 200. I was out of there. So I, it's so weird to me, man, that guys like you and guys like Russ Smith, like right. guys that had unreal careers in college and dominated a lot of these players or, you know, played really well or, or, or dominated some of these players that have made their way in the league. Like Russ Smith would dog Trey Burke. You know, he dogged some of those guys in the Big East. Right. Like, what do you feel – I mean, is it – do you think it's both uh, – you're bigger than Russ is, but do you think it's – you're all size? Like, what do you think It was the biggest thing that went into, you know, bad timing? For me, like, for, me for me, it was the timing. Like I said, if, if the league was where it was at now and then, yeah, um, I'm a lot. But at that time, it was big guards, like I told you. Big guards, athletic guards, I wasn't that. Yeah. But so Russ, I, uh, I think Russell was more reputation. You get what I'm saying? I think it was more what his inconsistencies as a off the court that they that probably hurt him more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because right now he could, uh, he's better than most of the guards in the league right now. Yeah. But I just think what he what he did off the court kind of messed him up. Yeah. So out of all the places that you played. Mm-hmm. What's, what's your favorite place, favorite country that you played in? Iran. Iran? Wow. What's your least favorite? I want Actually, I want you to give your reasoning on why Iran was your favorite and then give your reasoning on why whatever country is your least favorite. Iran was my favorite because I was scared to death. You know you got the perception of what the country could be. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, it was the total opposite. Most beautiful place. Like, they, they treated me the best got the most money <laughs> but uh <laughs> no nah, like they they just treated me they treated me do you think that they treated it not to say do you think they treated you better because they even wanted to show you even more that that perception was wrong or do you think right. it was just I, that was just natural or just the type of people no that I, I just as as people i mean they didn't even know i played basketball if i'm walking on the street they would call me to eat dinner you know they didn't even know who i was you know just come eat dinner it, it was it was the best experience i had to be honest. So what's your, what was your least favorite place you played at? Russia. Russia. Listen, Why? Listen. Weather? I, I might have cried every night in Russia. <laughs> really? It was bad. Bro. It was bad. Like, it was bad. What, I mean, what would you say was, was the weather that made it bad? Was it just everything that, that culminated into it? Like, what would you say it, was, is, it went into it? It was the weather. It was, like, the, the fans were like stone faced, like it was no cheering. <laughs> it was, it was the worst experience. Listen, I had, uh, I had uh, some, I had an infection in my eye, mm-hmm. so I had to, I couldn't see. They literally stuck a, a needle in my eyeball with no type of anesthesia, nothing. Oh, like it, it was the, yo, it was the worst. It was the worst. So, 
I texted you or I, I messaged you yesterday and I said, Hey, I want you to tell the story about your name change. And like I right. said here earlier, I'm one of the biggest UofL fans you'll ever meet. And I'm sure you hear that all the time, but like, I right. know a lot of things about like random stuff, but I never knew fully why you changed your name. And then I read the story right. yesterday and I was like, man, this story is crazy. So yeah. Can you tell the story? I don't care how long you tell the story, man. I just I want everybody to hear the story because when I read it, I was like, man, that's a great story. Or I guess I, right, I guess uh, I guess the ending of it was great. How with with how you what you actually right. got to meet who you got to meet? I guess. Yes, I mean, long to make it short. Um, me and my sister, we thought growing up that we had different fathers, mm-hmm. and my father most of my life was in prison. So when I was uh, around nine, she had ran away to live with her father. And I was stuck with my, with my, uh, my aunt. So I want to say my freshman year at Louisville, my, um, my father got out of prison. And I saw him for the first time when we played Seton Hall, my freshman year. So, you know, took him in and forgave him, you know, the whole, the whole rundown. And, you know, took him overseas. And then, you know, long as it was going, as my career, no, Matt, I'm going to bring it back. So when I had my senior year, when I was training for the draft in Chicago, my sister's father had sent, I had zero dollars. He had wired me $10,000. And when he said it, when he sent it to me, he left, he, he called me and said, listen, I'm, I'm doing this. It was kind of cryptic. I didn't understand why you know, he was sending this to me. He was like, don't tell anybody, you know, it's, it's yours. So, so I want to ask you a question. So how, how much contact did you actually have with him? Because he's your sister's at that point, he's your sister's dad. Like, did you really talk to him that much zero, at all? Zero contact. And the thing was the person that adopted me, uh, where, where we lived, he lived may, maybe three blocks over. So I've never seen him, you know, he never came to a game, none of this. So um, fast forward, my sister kept telling me, hey, listen, I think you need to take a DNA test. And I'm like, why? She said, I think, you know, my father is your father. So I took the DNA test. Long story short, he, he, he ended up being my father. So what did he, I'm sorry, because I, I interrupted you. What did he actually say in that message when he sent you that $10,000? He said, uh, I, I, let, me, let me get it correctly. I followed your career this whole time. I've I've been proud of you, but it's more to the story than you know. Wow! So I never told because he told he told me not to say anything to anybody. You know, let you know he was doing out the kindness. But at this time, I'm thinking, oh, now you want to come about to prepare for the draft. You you kind of want something from me, mm-hmm. but I'll take the money anyway because I'm broke. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So. <laughs> yeah, so. <clears throat> you so this was when did you take the uh, DNA test? Took this what uh, this is going on five years ago. And I'm guess so. What what happens? You you find out he's your dad, and then what happens from there? So you know, I, I definitely wanted to take his last name, but when I became Muslim, you know, the father that I thought was my father, he wanted to name me the name that I have now, mm-hmm. and the meaning of the name means conscious of God. So I've always felt like I carried that, you know, that definition all my life. So I said, okay, I'll take a piece of what he wanted and then I'll take your last name and I'll just combine. You know, I didn't want either one of them to feel 
you know, slighted. So yeah. I took what he wanted to name me, and I took his last name, and that was it. So do you still talk to both of them? Yeah, I do. I mean, I talk more to the one that I thought was my father mm-hmm. than, you know, uh, my real father. That's Yeah, When whenever I read that, I was like, man, like, it, it sounds like a movie. Yeah. Like, I'll be honest with you, man. I would make that a movie. I would make that a movie about you if I were you. Because I feel like you can make millions off of that story. No, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm planning to write a book and to do try to pitch something to Netflix. That's just got to, you know, sit down and, and, and get it together. That's the thing to do now, man. So, yeah. is, so I see you working out with Larry all the time in Atlanta. Right. Is your playing career over now? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, uh, I'm getting to being an agent. So that's that's what you're so, looking to do again is be yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know, Jonathan Blue. Uh, Jonathan Blue, that's uh, the one that used to be involved with the university, right? Global. So yeah. you know, he he's created a uh, an agency, and we're kind of like collabing. And you know, at first I didn't want to do it, but now I, I see that I have a, a passion in it. So, which so no what is the, what is the biggest in, or what's the thing that's intrigued you the most about becoming an agent? Well, I've been through nine of them my, my career. And the thing is, is I've seen that players don't take their careers in their own hands. This is why they become broke or, you know, they, they seem like they, they leave their careers in, in other people's hands instead of understanding the business and, you know, doing things on their own. So that's what I wanted to get into. So, I mean, it seems like, like I got the Lakers game on in front of me. I mean, it seems like LeBron's got to figure it out more than really pretty much anybody has. With right. He was like, hey, I'm bringing people up around me that I know are not going to screw me. Like, right. we came up together, like, and it's kind of – is that kind of like what you're kind of talking about there, like something maybe you would like to get into? Yeah, because they, they understand that they're the product. Mm-hmm. So why are you waiting for someone to speak for you when you can speak for yourself? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for me, that and that was my problem. I couldn't accept someone talking for me and I not see what you're talking about. And yeah. I had a, a situation in, in Spain where I signed for a million dollar contract and the agent goes to the team and say, okay, I could get him for seven. Just give me the 300,000. You get what I'm saying? And just give him the seven. And when I caught it, it was like, so this is the way the game goes. Like, you would have had me thinking that they were really just going to give me seven seven hundred thousand when they really want to give me a million. Wow! You so, so you going through nine agents too? That also gives you nine different situations right. where you're like, "This is what I liked in that agent. This is what I disliked." All right. So my last five years, I did my contracts myself. So it, you know, if, if I could do that, then I could you know teach other players to do it. You think that's probably your biggest regret of your whole career? It's not. It's not being your own agent from the beginning. Right. So you know that's why I want guys to see why they're in college to understand that if this is what you want to do for your life, then you might as well learn the business. I actually have a really good friend that lives in Atlanta, and he runs a uh, prep school down there. And really? he, yeah, he runs uh, Action Sports Academy. When we get done here, I'll send you his information if you want it. I'll let him know I'm right. sending because he. Uh, he played in this area. He played at Campbellsville. Played for uh, okay. he played high school here. He actually played overseas for a really long time. You may have played against him, David Harrison. Right. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he lives in Atlanta. Yeah, I know David. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should. I don't know if you have Dave's number, but if you don't, I'll get you Dave's number. He yeah, is. 
yeah, um, he's doing a lot of stuff with that Action Sports Academy that's getting guys into doing the exact same thing that you're talking about, that maybe if they don't want to or if they can't move on to college or onto a college to do something as far as athletics, they can move into doing something with this being an agent. Sounds good. So I got the, the last part here, man. It's the end of the interview, but this is the most fun part of it, in my opinion. So I got rapid-fire right. questions. I'm going to ask you the questions. Right. You just say first thing that comes to your mind, all right? Uh, Favorite pregame meal as a player? Spaghetti. Spaghetti. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Wings or burgers? Wings. All right. Drums or flats when it comes to wings? Flats. I'm right there with you. This is a big one. This one's a big one for me right here, all right? Don't don't kill me on this one. Fries or tots? (laughs) Fries. Thank you, man. I hate tots so much. So, favorite movie of all time? He got game. Oh, solid. That's I got the DVD right over there. Favorite right. musical artist all time and currently? Jay Z. Still currently too. Still currently. <laughs> Favorite album all time and currently? Uh, give it to that Man, what about what about a current album that just recently came out? Hmm. I don't know. I don't really, I don't really have, a, I have a favorite one like that. Biggest fear? Oof. Someone working harder than me. Favorite, favorite flavor of ice cream? Lactose intolerant. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done more research on that part. <laughs> All right, let's go favorite dessert then. Or, or, since you can't eat ice cream. It's tough. Uh, oh, carrot cake. Carrot cake, okay. Favorite basketball and football player all time? Deion Sanders, basketball, Kobe. Favorite athlete ever, regardless of sport? Oh, Jackson. All right, here we go. This is the last question, but it's, this is the one I'm most interested in. Best player you ever faced in high school, college, and professionally, each one. High school, DeMond Wagner. College, uh, Dwayne Wade. Professional. Sheesh. Um, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> See, I caught he, that Instagram live when you and Larry were talking about the crazy players y'all played against, and I was like, man, right. I, I got to ask him who the best player he thinks is. Um, Keith, you remember Keith Langford that played for uh, Kansas? Yes. The guard, the point guard. He was the toughest for me in, in Europe. Yeah, lefty, shifty, strong. Keith Langford, yeah, that was, man, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Right, right. He was tough over there. Well, man, I, I appreciate you taking some time out for me. And I mean, and you did it late too, man. Like that's the thing. Like you, like, hey, let's do it, let's do it late. And I was like, right. yeah, let's do it. I appreciate it yeah. so much. You see the flag back here? I think I've had that since you played in college. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I'll tag you on all the social medias, man. Do me a favor, share it. And right, no man, if there's anything that I'll, I'll send you uh, Dave's number after we get done, and I'll let him know that right. I sent it to him. Maybe you guys can link up and get some stuff together, man. Appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you taking some time out with me again, man. All right, man. God bless. All right, see ya.